Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Roxanne Durhage of Authentic Living with Roxanne. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, today, I have a special guest, Edie Nathan. Hi, Edie. How are you today? Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here with us at this time. So Edie um, and I got connected um, quite a while back, and, and her uh, expertise is um, was something that I wanted to explore anyway, because you know I talk a lot about different topic, topics related to mental health and well-being. At, on the podcast and fast forward uh, now it's it's even more uh, topical and uh, relatable based on, on unfortunately with the last two weeks and what we've been experiencing so I'm going to let Edie tell you a little bit about her background and then we're just going to jump right into talking about, about some of her expertise which is around the area of loss grief uncertainty and trauma so Edie tell them a little bit about yourself Sure. So again, my name is Edie Nathan, and I am a psychotherapist in private practice, a keynote speaker, and a workshop leader. And all of what I do surrounds the topics of grief and loss and burnout and trauma. And I actually utilize a variety of techniques in my work, from EMDR to hypnosis to play therapy, because I think that play therapy allows us to get beyond the protection of our language. So you might find in a session that I'll play with clay and clay is a wonderful way to create something like a, a little object that represents the fear or anxiety or burnout that you're experiencing. Well, so us with the similar backgrounds, obviously, you know, I'm a psychotherapist too, and I also do EMDR. So you and I could probably have a phenomenal dialogue about these modalities and the space that allows people to, to get to. Um, so let's, what, so what's, what made you want to, to explore this, this, this path um, into this career? It's, it's such a great question because it actually brings in a personal story. And I, I do believe that our personal stories um, impact what we do in our lives. And so I was, um, a survivor of sexual abuse. I was um, phobic and uh, probably as a result of having been sexually abused. And I was also overweight and then I lost my husband. So a combination of all of those things created over a period of time, a perfect storm. So much so that this corporate world that I was gonna be going into uh, as a trainer just didn't jive any longer with my life experience. And I realized after getting out of my house and no longer being uh, agoraphobic, that I really wanted to teach people how to deal with the grief of the journey of life. And that when we have what I call the big G's, which not, not only includes the loss of a loved one, but those moments in time that are interrupters, those moments in time when it takes your breath away and you, you have to assess what's going on, who am I, and who do I want to be? 
and I can't be who I was. And it's that hero's journey, if you will. It's mm -hmm. like you, you're going along, you've got this ordinary life and everything seems to be fine. And then all of a sudden something hits you hard. Mm -hmm. And whether it's sexual abuse or whether it's verbal trauma or, or it's the loss of a loved one, it changes you forever. And through this, through this journey, this metamorphosis, you, you go into the depths and you go into the cave and you have to face yourself. Mm -hmm. And in facing the self, you learn who your allies are, who your foes are. And then you come out after a lot of work and process and you go back to an ordinary life. But the thing is, is that you are forever changed. And though it's ordinary, Yes, because you're going back into your norm, you will never be the same. And so the way you deal with people, the way you handle strife is going to be markedly different because of this journey. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because that, that uh, like you're right, you know, I often say, and this is my, you know, way that I explain it is that trauma has no beginning, middle or end. Yeah. And it needs it leaves uh, shrapnel behind that could come at you. I don't know if you would agree with this, and this is how I try to explain it to people. And our senses, um, you know, encapsulate the shrapnel, and then it periodically just swipes us in whichever way it's going to do in that moment. And then all of a sudden, we're spinning, and we're like, nothing happened, right? Nothing happened. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you. And I love, I love your image of the shrapnel because the shrapnel does get caught in our senses. Mm -hmm. So years can go by and then someone walks by and there's a smell, there's an aroma that takes you back into that traumatic moment so quickly. It, 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 it's like, you don't know what hit you. And you're like, right. what was that? What yeah. was that? Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden you start to go down, if you're ill-equipped, a slippery slope. And what we as clinicians try to do is help people man the slippery slope so it doesn't become so slippery that you find yourself being sucked down into that vortex. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about, I'm gonna, I also call it big T trauma or small T trauma, and you call it big, big G or small G. So let's yeah, move on. This. Big, big grief and the little grief. And yeah. I call it big T and small T. So, so I'm, I just, let's talk about the time we're in, right? And um, we know that as human beings, we, we, we thrive, you know, in a space of safety and security. And I'm going to say that at psychically, you know, um, on a global level, that, that's not happening right now. We're in flux. We are definitely in flux. Right. And um, some people are able to kind of go more with the flux and other people, it, 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 it spins them because of some of the uncertainty they've already been experiencing. What are you kind of, what's your take on what's happening with the flux in the world and how is it impacting people's ability or should I say inability to cope? Well, people are meeting themselves in a way that they've never met themselves before. You know, we, uh, we are busy. We are always busy. We're so busy that we don't have time, nor do we make the time, most of the time, to sit with ourselves, to actually not, not have a TV on or our devices on or going from point A to point B. And, and now all of a sudden we're in our homes or our apartments and we're being told, don't go out. And it's kind of like a now what kind of moment. Mm -hmm. Now what do I do? 
And if you are an extrovert, this time may be harder for you <laughs> than if you are an introvert or even an ambivert, which kind of goes between the two. Right. So <clears throat> what, what I, this is a time during COVID-19 for us to assess and assess our fears. Assess how, how do we take our fears and put them into gear? And, and, and I really like to think about how we take our fears and put them into gear. And what that means is I can either sit in it and I can let it overtake me, which is, which is also what happens with burnout, or I can face it and say, okay, I, I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to join you. And, and I, I talk about this with grief as well, that it's not about it's me and grief. It's actually, I'm going to partner with grief. I'm going to dance with it. Because dancing with it actually lets me see how it moves and how I move with it. And then we actually become more partners than enemies. And if we, if we, can, if we can make ourselves partner with it, then we actually are, are curious. Mm -hmm. And when we're curious and we, we, we take this, this time of strife, of, un, of this, this time of unknowing, and we're curious about ourselves, about our friendships, about who reaches out to us, who doesn't? Mm -hmm. oh, who, who, who goes to the doctor and really they're fine? And who says, I'm fine, but they're really not. Mm -hmm. And so we, we're listening and learning and our senses are becoming actually more alive rather than blunted as a result. Now that doesn't mean that some of us are going to go into a depression. All you're going to want to do is sleep mm -hmm. and hide and what you're doing is you're letting the virus win. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? Well, this is again, a time for learning, creating a template, what I call the P plan. And what I'd like to introduce is this P plan, which is you make a promise to yourself every single day. Now, what is that promise? It's that you're going to make a plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you're, gonna, you're going to listen to that and you're gonna launch it. And that might be, I'm gonna make a plan for the day. I'm gonna make sure that I get up at nine, I brush my teeth, I comb my hair, or I shower, I reach out to three friends, and then I look at something that's funny that's gonna make me laugh out loud. <laughs> and, and that's listening and launching the promise. So you, you then need to act on the, on the promise. And that acting is continual. It's like a re, it's, it's like regeneration. It's like it's like mana. It's like oxygen. I'm acting on the plan. Now the thing is, when you act on a plan, then you've got to learn how to navigate through it. And you navigate through it because it's new territory. And so this is where you get to learn about yourself. You get to take notes. Gee, I didn't know that I could actually smell an apple, or this is the way an apple sounds when I cut it or I didn't know that this friend actually cared about me, or I didn't know that I could actually take a shower for more than three minutes. <laughs> and these are all, all sensory things, but following this P plan is really instrumental in dealing with burnout, in dealing with being alone in, in your own space, especially, uh, and if you're an extrovert, it gives you, it gives your brain something to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
You know, it's, it's interesting as I listen to you, and I know you and I, you know, have lived in the similar worlds, uh, even though our paths are crossing for the first time. And it's really that we've been teaching people how to do this generally because they're coming to us for a reason. And now what's happening is the issues are coming to our homes and our teachers knocking at the door saying, open up, open up, open up. I have something to teach you. Um, and generally, you know, like with psychotherapists or psychology, people say, you know, I, I don't need one of those. But really, I, I look at it, our roles um, in the world as, as being, um, I call myself a vein uh, or a space that people come to because they truly need to just listen to what's deep and in, deep inside of them. But they don't slow um, as that vein opens. No. And sometimes they come and they open it up and they go, oh, I don't like this. And then they go off again. But you have those people that consistently are aware that they need to keep that vein open, and they look at therapy as um, as natural as as um, going to a you know for a checkup with the doctor or to getting my teeth cleaned or you know just a normal part of optimal functioning and wellness in my life. Yes. And I think this space is is kind of flipping it on its head. I don't know if you agree with this. And I've not had this conversation with anybody else, Edie, other than you, and it's coming from somewhere. So it's I'm just coming, going with it. It is coming from somewhere. And I love the image of the vein. Yes, you know, and s some people want to keep that vein open, want to keep the flow, right? Mm -hmm. They want to keep the flow from the, their, their curiosity, their, their desire to understand the self, the soul, the psyche, right? their bodies, how the, how the brain, and we're learning so much about the brain right now. And it's so exciting. And that brain is like that vein, is like those neural impulses and the messages that we give ourselves and the messages that we need to be giving ourselves, like those cognitions and how we change the negative cognitions. I can't do this to, yes, I can. I just, it might not be the way I thought, but I can do this. I am going to get through this. And how we talk to ourselves and our brains and our spirits and our souls and our bodies, so important during this time and keeping the veins, to use your imagery, open, mm -hmm. open to friendships, open to therapy. And yes, we have never spoken, you and I, and yet I feel a kinship with you. I We're like speaking the same language and... I, I, I like to think of myself as the old family doctor. Somebody comes in and we spend some time and they leave and they spread their wings, they fly, and then they realize that one of their wings is, is hurting a little bit and then they come back in. And then we work a little bit and then they go out and they fly and then another little part of their wing is damaged and they come back in. And it's not about what's wrong with someone it's it, 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 from my grief perspective, what I talk about is what are you yearning for? What are you hungry for? What's missing? I don't care if, if you've got a diagnosis of depression or anxiety, you are not your diagnosis. Mm -hmm. What are you yearning for? Because if we can track that, wow, right there, what you're yearning for, you, 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 can, you can say, well, you know what? I got really, really hungry for love when I was seven and I've been hungry ever since. Yeah. And that's what makes this time in isolation so hard because mm -hmm. I don't have any positive love messages. Ingo. Yeah. And people are afraid they're being, let's put it bluntly, we're all being forced to slow down. And generally we are a society that wants to run from slow. 
Would you would you agree with that statement? Oh, I, because what does it what does it mean to be slow? It yeah. means we have to listen. We have to settle down. We have to quiet our thoughts that are racing. Mm -hmm. And you know there is there is a thing about how much we are moving and how quickly we move. And it is we have what I call the healthy denial of death. And when we are in our quiet times, we may meet parts of ourselves that we do think about loss and dying and parts of us dying and the loss of a parent or the loss of a friend and the loss of a job, the loss of a limb. And if we keep busy, then we don't have to think about any of that. Mm -hmm. So this time really is, I'm going to say it's a loss of what we think was functional to us. And this time has pivoted us to a point where now we can't negotiate with slowing down because we've been forced to slow down. And a lot of people are reeling, you know, I don't know if you go out, when you go out in your community, where, where are you located, Edie? Where? So uh, I'm, I, I actually go between New York City and Long Island. Right now I'm on Long Island. You're in Long Island. So you're like, I'm wow. in the, I'm in it. You're in the, the wow. North University Hospital is 15 minutes from my house. Wow. I'm in wow. it. I'm in it. Wow. You're in, you're definitely in uh, one of those definite, you're tumbling, you're tumbling. There's, uh, tumble, there's tumbling everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, neighbors across the street are waving. I've never seen these people before in my life. And they're like waving they're somehow, like somehow, even though like there's social distancing, but now it's okay to wave. Wow. <laughs> you know? It's such an interesting time right now, but to get back to this honing in on, on gee, gee, this quiet time, you know, we talk a lot about meditation and, and some people say, oh, I can't meditate. Well, you know, I'm not so sure that's true because when we drive, I don't know, do you drive? Do you, do you Oh, drive? yes, absolutely. So you, you know, you get on at exit 10 and then you get off at exit 23, but you don't exactly remember having driven from 10 to 23. Guess what? You've been meditating. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're pausing, which you're is pausing. what, which is exactly what the world is on. We are on pause right now. That's right. Right. Totally. And everybody, everybody can't wait to on pause, which I, I get that we all need to feel safe again. And we need to all need to, and I mean, being what with what's going on in New York state and I'm in Niagara Falls, I'm, I'm only six hours away from you. And I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I love New York and, and, you know, just the fact that that's going on there, you know, you, you feel that affinity because it's like, I, you know, you can't believe it's happening. We all want that certainty again. That's true. And there are some people who are likening this to 9-11. The thing is, is that 9-11 was, was very different in that we could all get together. We could gather in restaurants. We could, we could yes, shake strangers' hands and say, it's going to be okay. We could, do, we, we could be in community when we felt the danger, the external danger. Now there's an external danger, and we're having to find other ways to create community. And so in, in that way, this is very, very different. I was on the front line for 9-11 and it doesn't really matter what happened, but, but when the, the, the men came out of the pits and we, and we greeted them out of the pits, which was like, you know, where they were really looking for life and then bodies, they did not, they did not want to leave. They, they were mandated to leave, to go home, to go to their families, to eat. 
a lot of our healthcare workers now are being mandated to either stay in the hospitals or when they go home, they don't know what to do with themselves. Mm -hmm. And there's the burnout and there's the potential PTSD six months, eight months, 12 months down the road if they're not held and taken care of and find ways to, um, to hold the grief that they're, that they're experiencing and to communicate it, to honor it, um, and to name it, as Brene Brown always talks about, you've got to name the vulnerability. You've got to name mm. the voice around this. It is so very, very important. First, just the instinct to, oh, when we're done this, you know, uh, let's talk about the pragmatic things like the economy and all those things. And, and all that has to go back to, you know, whatever it is going to go back to. But really, we need to, we need to heal on a deep, profound space to this new reality of whatever it's going to look like, Edie. And, and, and I, I mean, truly, do any of us know what it's going to look like? And none of us know what it's going, which is, which is true, truly what a war zone is. You never know. Once you've, you've, you, you've had to hide from the bombs and you've had to go into those sub-sub-basements, right? Mm -hmm. And I certainly haven't survived a war, but, you know, I've seen enough movies, right? But you, you go underneath and you've got to hide and you've got to wait until all the bombing and you have no idea when you, when you come up those stairs and you open those doors like the Wizard of Oz, what are you going to see? Mm -hmm. And I, I love using imagery and like the Wizard of Oz, every one of your listeners, you do have the ruby red slippers. You do have the ability to change the way you think, to change the way you're holding this. If you are having financial difficulties, then don't be, don't, don't feel afraid to reach out for help. And on the, on the flip side, if you, you have the means and you have some neighbors who you know might be having some hard times, then drop off a, a, a meal or give them a, a, um, a, a, a card, a, I don't know, like a, um, a visa card with 50 bucks on it, because that could mean so much to someone. Mm -hmm. And we just need to figure out what our roles are here. Kindness, like really, like that simple yeah. act of kindness. And, you know, to, to, to speak about it, you know, um, as mammals, what do we need? What do we need? What yeah. do we need, right? We know that, okay, I don't know you, but I, now I feel connected to you because I can see you. Um, and so uh, the instinct is to now, if I were to come closer to you, I would feel connected because that's how mammals are. We need that eye to eye, face to face. I can, I can, I can relate to you. Um, and that's the part that I think we're being tasked to not touch unless you're, you know, you're in the same home with someone, you're being asked um, not to be able to go out, you know, um, you, you, you know, if you, but the basic things, you know, I, when I go out, I live in a small little community here in Niagara Falls and I try to smile. I always did before. Um, but now even more, I try to make sure that I make eye contact and smile at everybody I've seen, because I think everybody is feeling the same way. Yes. And we all need, we may not be able to touch each other. We, may, we can't even stand close to each other now. Oh, but you can smile or you can wink or you can, you know, yeah. yeah, you can smile through your mask if you're wearing a mask and people will know just by the glint in your eye that you've just smiled. Mm -hmm. Yes. And all these people that are having to um, stay at work, like the, you know, the people in the groceries and the, you know, the MS and all those people like, you know, they need to your point. 
and they're, you know, they're, we're, we're not liking the fact that we can't leave our homes and all of that, which is a whole other thing, but they're having to leave their homes and they're having to right. leave their families and they're having to go to the front line. That's and then right. they have to go back home to their families who are also worried that, you know, what, what, what are they bringing home? So they have a, 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 in a way, a bit of a double-edged sword. Our thing is how do we cope with being, you know, in a space without, um, the normal kind of um, social events and all those things, which, you know, people are struggling with, but they have a double uh, end they do. to your they, point. They do, because yeah. they're, they're concerned about being on the front line, and then they're concerned about coming home and, and maybe hurting their family members, uh, and because maybe they're carrying the virus. And it's, it is a very much double-edged sword. And, you know, you were talking about, you know, mammals. I mean, when babies are not touched, they fail to thrive, right? Mm -hmm. And so we need to fi figure out ways to create communities so we do thrive. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk to let's talk a little bit about people that are alone, uh, that are maybe self-isolating, that's alone, um, and what kind of things that you might be able to suggest to them, Edie, that might help them. Um, to, to do that, that virtual touch that we would be generally instinctively, we do naturally as human beings, what could people do? So, you know, I don't know you really, you know, I've just met you. Uh, and yet there's a kind of conversation that you and I are having that feels very intimate. Mm -hmm. We are um, sharing resources, we're sharing our knowledge and, and there's a sense of community in this. Mm -hmm and I feel touched, mm -hmm. okay? My heart feels touched. And so I think for any of us who are alone in our homes, and certainly some people who live in New York and are living in 300 square foot apartments and there's nowhere to go, it's hard. It's really, really hard. So I, I want you to really reach out to at least one to two people every single day maybe someone who is not just a friend, maybe someone who you work with, because that's an, that, that is a, a part of us. And maybe just having a conversation about work or about some ideas you have or about creating a business or whatever the case may be, something that can get you excited. And to, to, to make a commitment to yourself, I'm going to have at least one friend connection and at least one business connection where I get to talk from different parts of my brain. Mm -hmm. So that would be one way of, of, of certainly connecting. Acts of kindness, which could be you, you reach out to someone you haven't spoken to in a really, really long time. That might be an act of kindness. Even sending a GIF, you know, through the, uh, something funny. Yeah. You know, and these, these humorous, things that are being sent. There's one that was recently sent to me from YouTube and it was a dog talking about when, when are, when are her owners going to be leaving the house like this <laughs> enough already and get me out, you know, get them out of here so I can rest because they're driving me nuts. And, and yes. And, and my husband and I, we howled, we were laughing so hard. Mm. And, and so in a way, something like that, the sender, makes you feel warm toward them because they've also engendered laughter. Right, right. Then there's also self-care, which is making something really delicious for yourself, making good soup 
even if you're not a cook, okay, so you can say I'm not a cook, but maybe, maybe you might want to explore it or maybe you want to share that, share it with another friend. We're going to co-cook together. I'm going to get ingredients and I'm going to, I'm going to make stuff and you're going to get the same ingredients and we're going to, we're going to share this meal. Uh, even though we're just doing it, uh, you know, like through zoom. Uh, another, another way is, is to write letters. Mm -hmm. do, do snail mail. It can really help you to feel connected. Again, writing down what's going on for you and being honest about it rather than, um, you know, putting up a good, a good front, mm -hmm. uh, identifying your archetypes. Like, you know, do I have, do I have a cheerleader? Do I have, um, you know, wild woman? Am I, do I have the inherent mother in me, the caretaker? And using all of these different parts of you, the caretaker, the cheerleader, all of these different parts of you to make you feel connected. And I often say that, I don't know if you're like this, Edie, but I'm, I'm an extrovert and um, I have lots of different friends that uh, initiate or trigger parts of me. I have friends that tell me like it is. I have friends that make me laugh my ass off. I have people that um, if I want to kind of problem solve something, I can, I can, you know, rest assured that they're going to help me through it. And I've always kind of maintained those connections. And I think it's something that people, if they don't have that is, this is maybe the opportunity to start to think who could play that role? Because as we go through this new era, um, you know, like us as therapists, like, you know, when I would work with trauma and I would be frontline with the police and I've just dealt with something horrific, like a murder suicide, I would come home, talk to my husband and he would be like, what? And then I'd have to go find a friend that really did it, that got it and went, oh, and I would get more support in a different way because that person could relate. So I often say when you look at your support system, think, but what can I, do I just need to like howl right now and, and address and already not think and who's going to help me elicit that behavior in myself? Yes, I love that. That's exactly right. And sometimes the, the best way to do it, because we can't hold all of this in our brains, is to actually create a map. So you, you create this map and you've got you in the middle. So you say me in the middle. And then it's like one, one uh, arm is uh, humor. I need humor. And another uh, is I need someone who understands you know, my sensibility at work and I need someone I can talk uh, to about intimate stuff. And then you've got all of these different topic areas. So who would fulfill that? Mm -hmm. And then you're able to actually see, oh, okay, so I can go to John for this one and Mary for this one and Joanne for this one. And, and, and I have someone who inspires me and, and then you begin to see who, who your go-to people are. I love that visual. That's what I, I'm going to have to steal that from you. Anytime, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, but I think it's, you know, let's talk about being quiet and talk about the downside of it. We were talking about all these inspirational things. Yeah. And unfortunately, we know that as human beings, uh, as much as we could talk about adaptive coping, there's a lot of maladaptive coping that people are going to utilize, unfortunately, more through this time, right? So whether it's, it's drinking too much, whether it's, you know, um, watching too much news, whether it's, um, you know, eating, eating too much, eating too much, eating too many wrong things, um, 
disruptive relationships, all that different stuff. There's a lot, there's a lot of, you know, ineffective ways of coping. And we're going to unfortunately see that. Yes. Right. And because again, I think um, my perspective is that slowing could be your best friend, but it can also be perceived as your foe. Right. Right. And one of the things that I'd like to just say, and, and I think you, you, I think you would agree if this enclosure has created trauma within your house, get out. Mm-hmm. There are, there are, there are still safe places to go. And if you can't find a friend, then that's in the area, then, then at least communicate to someone and let them know what's going on mm-hmm. because you do not have to do this alone. Yeah. And what happens when there's already strife in a relationship, a situation like this can make, can, can make you kind of look at each other and say, we're not going to collude with one another anymore. We're going to try to find ways to actually be kinder to one another. We're, 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 we're going to be collaborative and we're going to find ways to be collaborative. But if you're unable to do that, you need to set ground rules, even if it means, and if you've got, you know, you're able to space yourself or close a door or lock a door, keep yourself safe and understand that sometimes these difficult times can make someone who's angry, angrier, can make someone who's explosive, um, more explosive, uh, can make someone who drinks a small amount, drink more. And you need to, you know, be aware of what's going on in your environment and keep yourself safe, which means on that 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 um, diagram that we talked about. If you need to have a safe person, who's that safe person? Mm-hmm. And um, there is, you know, there's certainly a lot of chat rooms with AA and OA, and so keep keep yourself safe. Now, if if you're not in danger, I'm happy to hear that. And it doesn't mean that you're not, you know, maybe smoking too much pot, wanting to disappear. All you want to do is stay in bed. All of all of these coping ways of coping that can actually lead to depression and greater anxiety and greater a greater sense of um, isolation. They 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 really maybe momentarily they help, but as they go through your body and they leave your body, you're you're left with a magnification of those experiences. So if you are feeling this way and you don't, you've, you feel that you've overused your space with friends or family, which can sometimes happen. It happens. Uh, right. So reach out to your family doctor if you have one or reach out to a clinic or reach out to someone at urgent care because uh, they may be able to help you, direct you. They may be able to give you something to calm yourself down. There are natural things out there, mm-hmm. but you, 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 you know, don't say no to, you know, getting extra help and getting onto chat rooms, getting, getting into 800, 800 um, suicide hotlines. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because it seems that the suicide rates are actually dropping because there's something very real that's going on as opposed to something that's just being manufactured in the brain. So if you find, oh, I, you know, I'm, I, you're not suicidal, which is kind of strange, 
maybe you're feeling alive by this, harness this because there's a message there too. Absolutely. What, uh, what's great guidance, right? Because we can talk about this, the, the spiritual um, energy that is coming out of most of us, but we have to also acknowledge that people that were struggling before that this may be an exponential effect. And unfortunately, you know, I, and I'm, my, one of the biggest tips that I often say to people is that, and I started this years ago was that I limit the amount of news that I watch. So I've been saying to people, figure out what you need to know, figure out how much of it you need to know and schedule the times so that you're going to take it in and then shut it off. Yep. That's yeah. the big inoculative piece that you can give yourself right now. Like you're living, you're living in, um, you know, Long Island. You're, yeah. you're, how can you not be worried about what's happening right, right in your, but your you know door? what? I mean, I, 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 I have absolutely followed your advice because it was like 24 seven and it's like, no, I'm not doing this. Absolutely. I am not doing this. I'm going to, I'm going to turn it on in the morning and I'm going to turn it on around five o'clock. I'm going to hear what's going on. And if anything's changed, I'll hear it tomorrow. Absolutely. And, and because it, it, it's infectious. Yeah. It, it becomes part of COVID-19, the COVID-19 mm-hmm. virus that's, that, that's in my house. And I don't want it in my house. Absolutely. Right. Now, let's, let's just pivot a bit. And I want you to ask, actually speak to people that find it hard to slow. Mm. And you, you alluded to some things, um, and I know this is your, your and my world, so we get it. But I want, for the average person that goes, I don't, I don't know about this. I don't even like it. I've never had to do it. I don't want to do it, but I, I'm being forced to do it. What are some simple little ways that they might be able to step into um, mindfulness or being present that, that you would be able to suggest to them, Edie? So there are three things that we have access to all the time and they don't require people. One is our breath. One is our bodies and the other is our minds. So I'd like to talk about those three pieces in our breath, the way the, one of the best ways to kind of just slow ourselves down is actually to take in a breath, hold it, let it go. And I don't care if it's a count of five or a count of 10 and then do that again. And it's a really good deep breath. And this is really good for the lungs because you're oxygenating the lungs. You're actually bringing oxygen to the brain and it's a refresher. And then the, and then you're going to take in that breath and you're going to let it go. And then the third time you're going to take in a breath and what helps you to be present is this time you're going to hold it until you feel like you just can't hold it anymore. And then you're going to just go, ha! And you make that sound and it's like, oh, wow. Like my body, just even doing it here with you, I, I actually feel like a little electric, electricity. Mm-hmm. And so what was kind of feeling dead or like listless is now feeling a little bit alive. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of these different breathing techniques. So that's, that's one piece. So that's the breath. Now let's talk about the body. The body, you know, we, <laughs> everybody has their different level of exercise. Um, exercise is a wonderful way to kind of find what I call calibration. And we all need calibration. 
And in studies, and I'm sure you know, already know this, but in studies of people who were three different groups, one group was given antidepressants, another group was given antidepressants and exercise, and another group was just given exercise. The overall group that was the most successful over a one-year period of time was the exercise group. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I really suggest is, is start small. Maybe just jump in place 10 times. Mm -hmm. Maybe do 10 push-ups. Maybe do, if you, if you have strength, do a plank for a second, for 10 seconds, for 30 seconds. Because in, in moving the body, it actually is meditative. It actually does create a calibration. And when you change the, 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 the essence of the body through exercise, you're actually talking to the brain and changing the connections in the brain. Mm -hmm. And then we've got the brain and we've got our cognitions and what we tell ourselves. We've got the negative cognitions, right? Oh man, I'm not going to be able to do this. And, and, and slowing down is baloney. Or you can counter that with, so I'm going to slow down right now. And I'm just going to do a quick check-in. Like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What do I taste in my mouth? And then what I'd like you to do, if you have an orange or an apple or your favorite food that is kind of healthy, I'd like you to just take a bite and taste it. And believe it or not, I want you to try to chew it 10 or 15 times before you swallow it because we rarely do that. Mm -hmm. But what this does, it actually enhances all of your senses and it slows you down. Now, these exercises may seem a little bit silly, but over time, you'll find that you're more awake and you're more alive and you're sensing things and you're more curious about what you're feeling, what other people are feeling, and it enables you to think about others in a very, in, in, actually in a more generous way. And your focus becomes less on the pain of being still and more on, gee, I wonder what I'll be discovering today. Mm -hmm. Sounds very nice. Very, very nice. A nice space to be. And I think I always say to people, it does not have to be an epiphany. It doesn't have to be an hour Pilates class or whatever, it, it, it can be small snippets of things. Um, you know, it, and you know, what I would often do with a lot of my coaching clients is I'd say, set an alarm on your phone. Yep. So it forces you out of that kind of malaise of wherever you're at and say, okay, drop to the floor, <laughs> do 10 push-ups, yes. And they go, really? Right. I go, they go right now. I'm like, oh yeah, you can do yep. it. You're in my office. Uh -huh. And they go, oh, okay. Yep. Or, um, you know, I'm, or I make them put uh, 10 pictures of the most favorite things in their world on their desktop, on their phone. And I say, then I want you to go through that. Yeah. And so, so to your point, an an another thing that I've actually been thinking about having people do and then, and then take a picture of is draw a circle on a piece of paper, like a mask and write down all the things um, that are behind your mask vulnerability, fear, joy, curiosity, laughter. And, and, and then it, like, like see how that mask or what, what, how the words or intentions change over time. Hmm. It's almost like you're taking off levels of the mask. Yes. As every and time. maybe putting on other levels. Cause we, we all have 
masks on some level, you know, or different roles that we play. You're interviewing me here. And then when your day is done, you're with your husband. And then and it, tomorrow you'll have an appointment with a client. And we're always changing our roles. They are forever changing. Well, Edie, this has been an amazing experience. I just feel like I've known you for so long. I feel the same way. And this there's an affinity. Lovely. This is an affinity. And, uh, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very grateful that our paths have been you know, crossed, um, you know, in the way it has. And I feel like we should stay connected. I would love um, Yeah, I think, you know, things like this are possible. She's in New York. I'm in Niagara Falls, Ontario. The, uh, you know, We've never and, met before. Never met before. Had this heart-to-heart connection and yes. talking about the real stuff. Right. And yeah. I think, you know, we obviously... Uh, share similar spaces and affinities. And I, I hope that, you know, this, this conversation shows you what's possible uh, as two strangers meet for the first time and we just share a commonality. And our commonality is we have the same similar backgrounds. Uh, what is your commonality when you reach out with someone? How can you connect? Because it doesn't matter what you're, what you're sharing. It's that you find that bond that allows you to be truly human with the other person on the other side of that, that camera that's staring back at you. Now, Edie, I would love people to know where they can reach you, what offerings you have. Um, and, you know, obviously we're going to have your website, but you can also tell them where your website is so that they can connect with you if they're intrigued as much as I am to be able to reach out and work with you. Certainly. So my website is ednathan.com. And if you sign up for the newsletter and in the message part of that, um, that newsletter uh, where you give me the information, um, just say that you heard me on this show and I will send you a free downloadable CD called The Power of You. Uh, so just make sure that you mention the show and, and you will then get, get that. And it's called The Power of You. Uh, I also um, have a book, It's Grief, The Dance of Self-Discovery Through Trauma and Loss. And uh, it's being sold on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So um, I, I would love uh, for you to you know, look at the book and give me any feedback you have and let's start a conversation. Thank you. So what am I taking away? Uh, I guess I'm taking away that um, through this adversity, we can explore a part of ourselves that allows us to connect um, because we all have the capacity as human beings connect. We're mammalian. We're meant to do it. And even more so, um, there's a part of the psychic energy in the world that's, that's forcing us to look at what could we do and not forget the lessons that we're learning now, because we're going to need to carry these things as a, um, a heightened learning into the new reality that we're, we're going into, whatever that's going to look like. My thoughts and prayers are with you, Edie, and everything that uh, New York is going through. Um, you know, you, you too. Will, I will be in, you will be in our prayers as uh as I'm sure everybody listening to the show and as we all stay safe um, across, um, you know, the U S Canada and obviously globally. And for anyone that's needing any information, um, obviously, you know, I'm a mental health and wellness expert and uh, you can reach me at RoxanneDurhodge.com. Thanks so much again, Edie. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.